Hello, Yogi. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko, and on this show, we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. Welcome, Sean. Thank you so much. We are here again for chapter 15 of the Bhagavad Gita. Would you like to give a brief recap from last chapter, what we were saying? Yes, so we, we were discussing the three qualities of nature called the three gunas. And maybe the people who has been who, who listened last time, maybe now like this time that has passed since then, they've been uh, learning to see these things all around them. Uh, yeah, that's quite fun. Yes. Like, for example, wanting to improve things is the quality of, of raja. I'm just like thinking of things off the top of my head right now. Just, and But then to do it in a sustainable way, that is sattva. But then like to like not care at all about improving things or maintaining things, that, it, that would be then tamaguna, mm. for example. Okay, so what is happening now in chapter 15? What Krishna is saying to Arjuna? He is uh, kind of going back to the middle six chapters, it feels like. Uh, it is much about, about himself as the Supreme Person. Like he is explaining who he is as, as the kind of as the perfect shelter. Uh, he's saying all these things like for us to be inspired to, to take shelter in, in him as he is the shelter of everything. So, so to not have temporary shelters, but something that lasts. Mm. And uh, how the chapter is called? It's called the Yoga of the Highest Person. So Purush Otama Yoga. Purusha is person. Uttama is like supreme or the highest. And yoga is, is yoga. So yoga of the supreme person. To connect with the supreme person. That is the title of the chapter. And uh, <laughs> and that's what, what the chapter is about. Okay, so where does it start? Yeah, so he begins with an, an interesting image. He's talking about a, about a tree that is upside down. So like with the roots uh, at the top and the... Um, and the crown of the tree at the bottom, and, and you know branches, branches going everywhere, and it's um, it's an image of this world. So he's describing this world to be an upside down tree, and uh, then of course, as the commentators of the Bhagavad Gita, they ask, where and where, like, where can you see an upside down tree? Can you guess? Yeah, well, I know, so <laughs> maybe let's ask the audience if they can guess and think about it. <laughs> okay, so you get three seconds to guess. <laughs> uh, the audience gets gets three seconds, and then you will tell. Three, two, one. Well, the tree is an image of the reflection of a real tree into the water. Like, for example, they can be a lake or a sea, even a beach. And um, and if you have the tree just on the edge and then there is the water, then there is the reflection of this tree, which is exactly like a tree, but upside down because of that. Yes, that was, that was a helpful... I, I was thinking about the beach before, um, but actually like a small pond or a lake is, mm. is more easy to imagine. Yeah. yeah, Like so, so let's say you're standing at one side of a small lake and you're looking over to the other side and there are trees on the other side of the lake. So you will see those trees reflected in the water below. 
and uh, depending on how the weather is, like if it's if if it's very still, to like go go back a little bit to last chapter, like if it's like sattvic, if you're you're kind of still and peaceful, then uh, then you can see very clearly the reflection yeah. of, of the tree. But let's say there is there there there's wind and so there's like movement movement on this on the water surface then that you can't see the reflection so clearly. So so that can be seen as the at these as these other qualities of nature, the tamas and the rajas. It's like it it kind of messes up your your vision of the world, so you can't see see it clearly for what it is. But if you have have this clear vision then then you will see a tree that looks just like the tree up but of course it is only a reflection you can't you can't really pick fruits off of a of a reflection of a tree so what what's the message here what's actually it's explained by this upside down tree yes it's this thing that has been explained before that matter is the dictionary of spirit we can learn something about the spiritual world by by looking at at its reflection, which is in this world. But but we need to understand that it is only a reflection, and nothing here is lasting. So so we need to kind of deal with this world with that in mind, and not get like overly attached to things. Only attached to things um, as is necessary for dealing dealing with them, but then let go. Mm. And if you don't let go, it's going to be taken from you anyway. Whatever you're you're trying to keep, or so 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 Krishna goes on, saying how this the the spiritual world, which is uh, the real tree, so to speak, is is not illumined by the uh, by the sun or by moon or by fire. So he means that the the whole spiritual world is self luminous. Here it might get a little bit confusing because then the people might think like, oh, what that means actually. Does it mean that there is an exact copy of our world in the spiritual world and we are going there? So maybe I would like to to make the point that this so-called spiritual world is a state of consciousness because... Consciousness is what actually stays, not matter. Yes, exactly. Like n- no, like no form of matter ever remains. Like it, it it's always going to change into something else. Uh, where, whereas consciousness, yes, is is always is like ever present, mm. not how you say, never d- doesn't grow, doesn't deteriorate. Mm. It is just. Uh, a constant uh, factor, and yes, um, but but this doesn't mean that it's just awareness without any any object in the spiritual world. So so it, so it means like like that there is there are forms uh, since forms facilitate uh, joy. So so like it's it's not uh, form in the spiritual world is not a limitation in the way that it is here. Yeah. Like here, for example, like you want to do something, but like I'm just a human, so I can't do things that, that other beings can do. For example, so I'm like limited. But mm. uh, but in in this in the spiritual world, form is only there to facilitate, not not to to limit. Mm. So Krishna also goes on to say that uh, while the spiritual world is not illuminated by sun, moon, and fire, 
this world is illuminated by sun, moon, and fire, and, and uh, like other luminaries. But but all those luminaries in this world are empowered by Him. Mm. So so the spiritual world is self-lit, and it also lights up this world by em- empowering. And this also like, again makes the point that it is it is the light from from that world which is giving us light in this world which it means there is light in this world only for us to be able to act in a way that will bring us to the spiritual world that is the purpose of light mm. because a spiritual light is its own purpose so it's not shining here for some other purpose like just for for here to be like a lit room uh, like i say <laughs> like a disconnected lit room uh, that just happens to be be lit up it's the, the light is reaching here to, to to call us there yeah so so as i said like also light means like the, the light of revelation like of revealed spiritual knowledge so, so that light is reaching here in order for us to to be called and go there mm-hmm. Since Krishna says this, then Arjuna is wondering, then, like, like if Krishna can summarize divine revelation, like, explain what the divine revelation is saying, like the Vedic scriptures and mm. and all the Puranas and Upanishads and everything. So Krishna summarizes that in in five verses. So he basically he says that there are fallible beings and there are infallible beings. Fallible beings is people like us who are in this world. And the infallible fallible beings are are the beings of the spiritual world, and Krishna is says that he is beyond both of them. He's the shelter of both of them. And if we realize this, we will worship him with all our heart. That is what he was also saying in the tenth chapter. If the end of knowledge is to, is like you you understand that you should love your source. Mm. So if, if you have this full knowledge, which, which will automatically inspire just like pure worship, just like it'll just come from the heart. It's just how you're, how you will act when, when you see everything for, for what it is, mm. then just like uh, worship will just spring from your heart. Mm. Worship of, of your source and worship of everything in relation to your source. Like you will see how everything is connected to your source and you will worship it. So if your actions are inspired by seeing things for what they are, then they will bring fruition. Any other actions will are, are made in, in, in ignorance and, and can therefore not produce a result like that. But yeah. actions that are inspired by seeing things for what they are will, will result in, I say, in, in an enhanced state of that. Like, like it will only grow. Like you will see things for 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 what they are. And it will look better and better. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I can explain it right now. Mm. Yeah, you will be just perpetually amazed in an ever-increasing way. Mm. So yeah, this summarized pretty much the the chapter, right? It was a, a short one. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, this chapter only has uh, twenty verses, but of course, very uh, potent and, and knowledge-packed. Yeah, because also, I mean. Krishna now first explains what are the gunas, how we are actually influenced, fully influenced by them. But now he's explaining also how to transcend them, right? So it's a kind of 
work in progress from chapter to chapter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he ended ended the previous chapter by by saying, uh, stressing again as he, as he always does that he is he is our source. Mm. It's like we come from him. This world comes from him. Like the the world of the three gunas that we are so ensnared in, it all comes from him. Uh, like he says, and also like he said in the seventh chapter, like this since this world comes from him, it is uh, like uh, since it has a divine source, it is impossible to to conquer on our own uh, but if, if we if we surrender to him he can uh, release us from it mm. so so then then he gives this this image of the this world of the gunas as a tree so meaning that like what we see in this world is is is, is real but it's it's upside down <laughs> basically mm. to, to kind of give, give the image to, to you like a little bit like a dream like it is real you feel those emotion and the, they are speaking to you. There is something really from inside, but uh, it's kind of upside down. It's not fully real, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, the the dream analogy is is very helpful to understand this world, mm-hmm. because because yeah, uh, like when you say that something was only a dream, it means that it didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. So okay, this world. Like also doesn't last forever, so in in that way, it's it's also a dream. It's it's something that's coming and going. Yeah. But but there is there is a root of this world, but it's it's up. That's what what we have to. That's like this analogy is giving the tree the upside down tree. Like means we had to go upwards to find the root. <laughs> mm. Okay, so what we're gonna find now in chapter sixteen, we are very slowly reaching the end of the Bhagavad Gita. Yes, yes. So the chapter 16 will, will be about qualities we should strive for and qualities that we should strive to not have, basically. You could say bright qualities and, and dark qualities. Mm. Okay, good. So see you next time for chapter 16. Looking forward to that. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you like it, feel free to share it, give a review or a rating, subscribe. And if you have any question, please get in touch at aikoota.com.